You're listening to the Ag Watch Podcast. Senator, welcome to AgWatch. Governor, thank you for taking time to speak with us this morning. Secretary of Agriculture, United States Senator for Arkansas. He's the CEO of Ducks Unlimited. Where we dig deeper into the story to find the people and forces growing American agriculture. Mr. Secretary, farmers are in the fourth year of this downturn. You're the farmer, you tell me what you need. When is someone going to address these problems with flooding? You're still not answering the question, though. Hosted by Terry Simmons. President and CEO of USA Rice. He's the CEO a of farmer from Northeast Arkansas. He's a catfish farmer and row crop a farmer. and peanut grower a from Tennessee West Soybean and livestock grower producer. from the Missouri Boot Hill. Congressman, welcome to AgWatch. This episode of the AgWatch podcast is brought to you by Quality Farm Supply, the go-to source for the get-to-go farmer. Visit Quality Farm Supply at qualityfarmsupply.com. Our guest today is Harrison Pittman. Harrison is the director of the National Agricultural Law Center. The center is located on the campus of the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Harrison, welcome to AgWatch. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So tell us a little bit about the National Agricultural Law Center. What is the center and uh, where are you located at and how many people work there? The National Agricultural Law Center is uh, the only institution of its kind in the country. And uh, as the name implies, we serve the agricultural community all around the United States. Um, the, the typical stakeholder base for us would be farmers of all shapes and sizes, all types of commodities in all regions of the country. We work uh, a lot with attorneys who represent different ag interests. We work with agribusinesses of all shapes and sizes. And importantly, we work with policymakers at the federal and state and local levels around the country just to name a few, um, the type of work that we do, if you just imagine the diversity in American agriculture uh, and all the distinctions and differences within that, just imagine the, the myriad legal issues that uh, arise uh, from that, and, and that's what we do. Um, we're located in Fayetteville. We are a unit of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Uh, our staff we have myself, we have two senior staff attorneys, Rusty Rumley and Elizabeth Rumley. We have a communications and special projects person, uh, or coordinator, pardon me, Mark Camerig. And then we also hire uh, others uh, throughout the year uh, on an as-needed basis, including uh, we hire on a national scale, we hire law students uh, around the United States. And we, we do seek to find the best and the brightest and, and up and coming in, in interest in, in agriculture. And this year we, we just completed hiring another round, and, and it's no exception on, in terms of the talent that, that we have. We're really excited about that. So you're located on the campus of the University of Arkansas, and uh, being in Fayetteville, for people who may not understand the geography, in northwestern Arkansas, where you're located, is uh, uh, in that immediate vicinity. Walmart is headquartered there, Tyson Foods, a lot of big ag companies, a lot of big food companies. Uh, How does the Ag Law Center interface with some of those large businesses like that? Well, um we we interact with them. Uh, we we help them where we can, when we can, um, and always very responsive to to inquiries from from them. Having said that, it's the same as somebody located in another state or another part of Arkansas, um, and uh, uh, you know everybody 
the inquiries. Everybody's a stakeholder uh, in our mind. And, uh, in, you know, one example recently, we did an in-house uh, legal education seminar for the legal team for Tyson Foods. Uh, that was a, you know, a half a day uh, presentation and lots of questions, a lot of interest. Um, and, uh, and and ongoing discussions out of that um, that are uh, very productive. So, you know, for us, we're here to help agriculture. And, uh, and so whether it's a farming operation in eastern Arkansas or um, a different kind of entity such as Tyson Foods or even Walmart, uh, we're, you know, we're there to serve in, in a form of public service. So when was the Law Center created and um, kind of what is its mission? I know you've spoken about how you're here for agriculture, but when it was originally chartered, what was the thinking and and what was the need that it was identified? Great. That's a very great question, and I'm I'm doing my best to to be brief in how I answer it. But uh, the center was created in 1987, and it dates back to when Senator Dale Bumper's had been he was appointed to chairman of the Senate Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee, and the center became of all the the all the success Senator Bumpers had, particularly in agriculture, over his time in the Senate. Uh, the center was his very first earmark as a U.S. senator and a project that he supported. Uh, and the context was the farm crisis of the 1980s. That was the backdrop. And it was a situation where, in terms of the money and the relationships between the farmers and the banks and farming operations and the government with the farm program payments and the farm credit system, uh, in essence, the music had stopped because of the farm crisis. And a whole litany of questions and legal issues arose that nobody really understood. And so there was a, uh, there was a, a, an identified need to have something that could be a resource to all these different moving parts in the agricultural community. Uh, and at that time, it was a lot on payment limitations or, at that, you know, often referred to as the, the Mississippi Christmas tree back at that time. Um, farm programs, understanding the nuances of, of, of secured transactions in agriculture, the, the processes within USDA often to resolve disputes or lack thereof, bankruptcy. Those were some that were really red hot at that time, and that's the basis of it. Uh, And since then, the center has grown so much, and it has expanded so much that even in my time working here, which has spanned since 2001 uh, in different, different forms and been director since 2007, the center is in many ways unrecognizable to where it was back at that time. And the issues around it are just astounding. Um, you know, you got a, a taste of that at the Mid-South Conference with the issues there. And then another example would be our upcoming Ag Technology Conference. You know, back in the 80s, we're talking about the farm crisis. We're talking about uh, all the payment limitations rules, all of which are still important. All these those issues are still there. But who would have thought that we were going to be talking about uh, bioengineered uh, uh, products on the farm, uh, 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 all kinds of ag tech issues, the use of drones, uh, uh, and, and just so much broadband, Internet, uh, and all the things that are 
just an integral part of the future and the present uh, for American agriculture in Arkansas and across the country. So I've covered several of your events. Of course, we go to the National Agricultural Law Conference every year. And uh, like I always tell you, it's my favorite conference to go to. But other things that I've attended that uh, your staff has put on has been everything from very small scale, what we used to call truck patch farmers, uh, but sustainable farmers of that size through large row crop operations, all the way up to dealing with international trade issues and treaties, uh, waters of the U.S., um, all kinds of issues like that. So you really run the gamut on agriculture, which is really a much broader field, I think, than most people realize. You know, I, that's very true, and I'll take it one step farther. Sometimes it's even broader than we realize. Uh, we we sometimes uh, we lose track of, of how much we cover. And, you know, so far we're talking about programmatic activities, you know, a conference, another conference, or presentations. But we also do a daily publication called the Ag and Food Law Update, just as one example. That is an update. It is what it sounds like. We do an a update at the federal state level, or pardon me, federal state levels, uh, of what's come out of the court system, what is of note in the regulatory system, and also in, in terms of legislation or, or important proposed legislation. And that's a daily product. In addition to many other things that we do, we have a, you know, our website, which we constantly update simply because there's new subjects and there's new issues within those subjects. Um, and we're a very, very uh, diverse broad-based operation uh, that, you know, when you asked about the size of our staff, I think it would be accurate to say that we really punch above our weight in terms of, uh, of you know, we leverage our resources that we're very grateful to have. Uh, we leverage those as wisely as and, and as, as useful of a way as we can, and we always, every day, we always think about the stakeholder. And, uh, and how we serve them, from and whether they're in Arkansas or Washington, D.C., or partners like National Association of State Departments of Agriculture or American Farm Bureau Federation or any of the states, just as some quick examples. Uh, and um, so those are, that, that drives us all the time that we, we are and we want to be and we will continue to be a valuable service to the to the ag community, and just like you stated, you know we work with what you, you know what we used to call truck patch, smaller farmers, and then uh, you know but that that doesn't mean that we don't go and speak with farmers on is, detailed issues on Title One, uh, price and income support, and in the row crop community, or environmental issues that often come up in the animal ag community. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how your background and how you got to be director of the National Ag Law Center. Well, um, it's a lot of the accidental tourist. Uh, and I came to, I graduated law school in 1998. Pardon me, I started law school in 1998 in Little Rock. Uh, when I came out of the program, or pardon me, out of the law school and graduated in May of 2001, I had some different options in front of me. Uh, I was a student who worked very hard in law school. Um, I was not necessarily someone who was there because I had 
lots and lots of burning passion to be there, and there were parts of it, frankly, I didn't like very much. Uh, and I came out, and I really wanted to do something interesting with it. I thought, if I've come this far, um, I really want to do something that's impactful, and I want to do something that's interesting and, and something that's fun to do professionally. And I knew that there was an LLM program in Fayetteville at the, at the Fayetteville Law School, and uh, my wife and I, we were recently married at the time, we talked about it, and the idea was to come up, do the program, and then go do something else. And I just, uh, my idea was that I'll just work as hard as I can, I'll try to develop as many options and opportunities as I can over that year, and that just given the vast food, fiber, and fuel that we produce in American agriculture, that I would be creative enough to find some way to, to make a living doing it. And I didn't have any idea what the what was going to be on the other side. Um, I worked as a graduate assistant at the center uh, for a year while I was in the program, and then I started at the center in 02 as a full-time employee. That uh, just evolved, and uh, uh, and just over time, uh, in 2007, as people in and around me left for different reasons, uh, different directors had come in, and they, they left and uh, moved on to other opportunities, uh, I, through that, I became director of the National Agricultural Law Center. And, you know, we'd already had a lot of momentum coming up at that point in time, but I think um, uh, it was a real seminal time period uh, for us. And uh, uh, it was a very seminal time period for us, and we really began to ramp up our visibility with stakeholders and really, really, really began to emphasize the stakeholder approach uh, and looking outside for, you know, for in these ag interests and, and people around the state and around the country. And so, uh, you know, all the credit for what we've accomplished goes to the staff that's here now and those who, who've been here during that time who've, who've moved on uh, as well. They, they've just done an incredible amount of work and have really taken great care in and the work that they do and the way they represent the center, and that's made all the difference. So last week we were in Memphis at the law school there downtown for the National Agricultural Law Conference. Um, it was my third one. I guess it was the uh, fifth annual conference, uh, third one that I've attended from AgWatch, and AgWatch has been a proud sponsor of it the last couple of years. Uh, for people who've never heard of the conference, talk a little bit about the conference and the kind of speakers and opportunities for uh, continuing education credits and things like that that are available. Okay, so the the conference is, we call it the Annual Mid-South Agricultural and Environmental Law Conference. And so this year we had our fifth conference, the Fifth Annual Mid-South Agricultural and Environmental Law Conference. And um, the concept is, um, it's, it's, it's very simple. We, going back, this really traces back to 2012, and um, then the, and that was when the current farm bill, or the pardon me, the previous farm bill was set to expire. Now we didn't, it tur- as it turned out, we did not enact a new farm bill until 2014. But at that time, um, you know, I was like so many others watching the process of the farm bill unfold, and one of the things I was really struck by was that. Uh, that 
the, the friction in the debate, but it also emphasized the regional differences that have always been there. But in this instance, it struck me that, and I still think, I, I think this is accurate. Uh, I, in 2012, when the farm, farm Bill first passed out of the Senate, I think that there was no Southern senator that voted in favor of it. And it really struck me that I think that that was the first time and that in previous decades, a farm bill couldn't make it to the Senate floor, yet alone out of it, without the support of the Southern uh, senators. And as I pondered on that and, and what the implications of that could be, it really caused me to think more deeply about the just the differences recently in the Mid-South. And in addition, I go to a lot of programs. I, I, I participate in a lot of programs, and I really thought, I wonder if we uh, put a really relevant quality program into a rural part of the Mid-South, and let's just advertise it and see who shows up. And so the first one we did, and, and of course focused on issues in the Mid-South, the first one we did was in Tunica, Mississippi, at Harris Casino, and we were literally the last program at Harris Casino. They put a big, thick chain on the door, and I walked out. <laughs> and um, uh, and so I think in that first year, we had a program on litigating federal crop insurance claims. Uh, we had a program on uh, how to write ag leases in, in under a new farm bill, uh, you know, how federal farm policy would change that. We really, really strive, and this has been a, a trend from the beginning, we, we really work hard to, first of all, find topics that are very relevant to attorneys in, in the Mid-South and, and their farm clients, but also those who are land managers, land appraisers, and those in the lending community. It's very challenging to put a program together and, and, to, and to get that mix, and it takes a lot of effort. And the second thing we do is we're very careful with respect to the speakers, and, and we really like people who can get into the nuts and bolts and and share with the audience uh, insight and knowledge that you can't find in a book. Uh, and they're not out there. There's no there's no publication that spells out, you know, just like some of the, public, the presentations you saw uh, this week, very unique insight. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so we've... It, it's not an accident. We put a lot of effort into it, um, and I, I shouldn't, you know, one like certain uh, Grant Ballard is a close friend. He was there at the at the program uh, and has been, I think, to all of them. And the idea of, of a mid south approach really spawned as he and I were doing some workshops around the mid south at that time on farm bill and crop insurance, and we had a lot of hours on the road, and that. Conceptually, that's where a lot of it, that is where it started. And we're just uh, so happy that it's expanded the way it has. We're really um, thrilled at the feedback that we received, particularly this year. Um, the evaluations were very strong. And uh, we've had a number of people who not only have said they're, they're already planning on coming next year, but they're going to they're gonna invite others to come with them. And so... We think it's got a lot of momentum and something that has continued to grow, and I think it's reasonable to expect that it will continue to grow farther. And um, the final thing I'll mention on that, we also we put a lot of value in the networking aspect. We want people to meet each other. 
Uh, and hence, that's one of the reasons we try not to have a program that that's not, you know, we, we, let me say it in a different way. That's why I try to have a program that's relevant and practical and attractive to these, these audiences that, uh, uh, because they're learning new things, even uh, no matter where they're coming from, um, but they're also getting to meet people. And, you know, this year we had attendees, I think, from at least 14 different states. Uh, and, uh, and you know, one of them was a, was a young man and who interested in going to law school who uh, they traveled up from the University of Louisiana, Monroe, uh, and another from California uh, had seen something on social media about the program uh, and bought a plane ticket and came out from California uh, to attend the conference. And it just shows you just the interest, and, and, and it also makes a lot of fun. Well, I'll just tell you, the first time I attended three years ago, I just sort of stumbled into the conference, just something to cover. Uh, and after I got there, uh, I was just astounded at the things that I learned. And even for a layman uh, like me, uh, it's a huge amount of knowledge to take in. And then I'm able to go out when I'm in the field speaking with farmers or attending other events. I'm able to take a lot of the stuff that I learned from the conference and put it into talks that I give or point people in directions or just give them information that I have that uh, the average guy on the street doesn't have about legal issues uh, in and around agriculture and the USDA, uh, the ag economy, banking, and uh, just uh, a broad range of topics. Yeah, and you know, and all of that, you know, and I'm, I'm focused on row crop here, but I obviously recognize that agriculture is broader than that. But uh, all of that goes to just getting the city in the ground and out into the world market, uh, you know, and the and this is really true for the Mid-South as I think about it and as our staff thinks about it when we plan it, plan the conference. Uh, you know, we tend to think of farms as multinational global businesses. When you think about the product and how it's the inputs that go into it uh, and and that, that that product is shipped all over the United States and it's shipped all over the world and all out of these rural areas and the amount of investment, the capital outlay, the risk that everybody takes to get that crop in and crop out and, and other commodities too, uh, uh, it, it's tremendous to think of the teamwork and the, the, the high level of of partnership between the public sector and the private sector, the land grant systems, the bankers, uh, the farming operations, everybody, the crop insurance industry, the input suppliers, so much goes into it. Um, and I think, you know, by taking that into account, it really helps create a program there in, in uh, that the Mid-South program that, um, you know, that we can put it together in a way that's really relevant to those audiences, and uh, they depend on each other. And I love having, in this year, we know we were able to have another session that had our, our friends from Washington, D.C. This year it was Christy Boswell, Senior Advisor to USDA Secretary Purdue, and Stephen Vaden, the General Counsel of USDA. But, and in the past, we've been fortunate to have uh, uh, Ann Hazlitt and others on there. But that partnership exists there, too. And to be able to get updates on farm programs, to legislative updates on the farm bill, policy changes or things upcoming, those are invaluable uh, to the to the industry. 
and uh, you know we appreciate their willingness to, to to support us and come down for that. Um, but that's a key part, and you know this, and we're fortunate to be in a position to kind of help bring these different pieces of that puzzle together and under one roof. Uh, and sometimes when I leave, my only regret is that we didn't have another day because <laughs> just there's so many issues to to discuss, and there's so much interest and in, in so many people uh, to meet. Uh, and you know, and every year we there's new people that come in, and uh, and it's just just a great time. Well, you know, one of the the first time I attended at the reception the night before. Uh, maybe the first lady that I met there was an attorney from Philadelphia that had flown in because she said it was so difficult to find information and, uh, frankly, find continuing education credits that had to do with agricultural law. Yes, yes, that's true. And now, having said that, I'm at an advantage because part of my job is to go to some of these programs around the country. And so I do... There are some ag law programs, but typically they're going to be related to the State Bar Association Agricultural Law Committee or something similar. So in the last year, for example, I've attended and spoken at the Oregon Agricultural Law Meeting. Uh, Texas has a great symposium, a two-day symposium every year. There's a terrific program put on by the American Ag Law Association, AALA, and, and that's the, the big national group that uh, that you know, we're members of and we participate in and support and, and even help sponsor that program. This year it's in Oregon, um, and uh, it's a two-day two or, or two-ish day program. Um, but it is, it is difficult to find programs that are, you know, really on point. Uh, it's hard, and they're hard to put together. Uh, and um, But I think what... What you what you just described in that conversation with her, the, the attorney from Philadelphia, I've heard echoed several times over, and you know, even this year, uh, as in previous years, uh, several attorneys would say, "Harrison, this this is the this is the most relevant program that I go to every year," uh, and you know, we've already we've already gotten inquiries for, "Do you have the date set for next year?" Um, and we will soon, by the way, spoiler alert, and we'll get to save the data out, and, uh, uh, and, and we'll just keep plugging along. So speaking of conferences, you've got a new conference coming up in August, and uh, I don't know very much about it, so I'll be glad to hear your explanation, but um, entrepreneurship, invention, uh, technological advancements in agriculture, all very relevant and very in the news here in the Mid-South and in the Delta region, and you've got a conference coming up that's going to address a lot of those issues. Tell us about that. Okay, and you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, when you said, I don't know a whole lot about it, I'd say join the club. Uh, here's what I know. Uh, so the, the conference is titled Ag Technology and the Law, Advancing American Agriculture. Ag technology and the law, advancing American agriculture. This technology space, it's always been important, you know, and, and traditionally technology can be in the form of uh, pesticide development, herbicide development, uh, soil amendments, seed quality, seed varieties, genetically modified. Uh, those are still in the mix. Those are still important. Uh, but, you know, now in the last several years, we're all 
in agriculture and particularly production agriculture, the whole concept of precision agriculture has become more formalized and ingrained in the, in the industry. Uh, you know, farmers using drones on the farm, uh, 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 crop insurance agents being able to inspect crops with drones, and everything there. Think of all the issues that now just out of that part of it that, that, that come from that. With drones, you have the issues about privacy. With the precision farming and the equipment on tractors, uh, does a producer have the right to repair their equipment uh, when it breaks down? What are their options? Uh, do they have legal and, and there are legal ramifications to that, by the way. Um, you know, who, who owns the data? How they own it? Where is it? Who has access to it? Um, and for all the advantages this technology can offer, there are also these, these legal uh, problems. And there's so much activity, it's, and the momentum is building. It's just growing so much so much in the private sector on this ag technology space, so much uh, venture capital, uh, private investment uh, that's, that's, that's already out there and, in, and also in the pipeline coming up, it's outpacing, it's outpacing the government. It's outpacing the ability to, um, to regulate or it's outpacing the regulators in many instances. Uh, the differences, you know, in gene editing, you know, uh, we think of Roundup Ready, but now we've entered into the whole new world of what's known as CRISPR and bioengineering. And whether is that the way it's done? Is that really biotechnology? Uh, and if so, but on that answer, uh, who, who regulates it and how? Uh, what can the states do versus the federal government? Uh, you know, what's to become of uh, meat? that's no longer grown on the, the bone, as I like to describe it, but it's in a laboratory, uh, in a Petri dish. Uh, uh, you know, this, this concept of alternative meat or alternative meats, or some people refer to it as fake meat. Uh, all, I mean, you know, you think earlier you are asking about the Agrawal Center and its origins. Who would have thought <laughs> we'd be talking about uh, issues like this? And in my perspective... The private sector is is just busting at the seams, uh, and you can study. Look in North Carolina. There's some activity at the center in Memphis. Uh, look at St. Louis, out in California. There's just there are parts of the country, and those are just some of them, that are just busting at the seams uh, in terms of, of trying to, wanting to, approaching the marketplace, and it'll it will reshape agriculture, and, and um, so. We really want to start bringing in these these various issues. Uh, have it. some of the best experts in the country, which we've accomplished. If you go through the agenda and the speakers, um, you see it's a very very impressive list of speakers. Um, and we also want these different communities in both the public sector and the private sector, just like we do at the Mid South Conference. We want to start meeting each other. Uh, because this program will offer an opportunity to get under the roof uh, with someone and in the room, and, and at our, we'll have a dinner reception the night of the fifteenth, the night of August the fifteenth. That Arkansas Cattlemen's Association is going to bring in the grills to the River Pavilion. We're going to have a beer, barbecue, and bluegrass uh, reception there. It'll be a great opportunity for people to meet. 
uh, and uh, exchange contact information and explore what their backgrounds are. Uh, and uh, and so we're hoping to come out of this program with a platform that helps all these different with interest to move forward at their own pace and, and, and the work that they do at the state and federal levels and the private sector, but also for us to be able to better serve our stakeholders uh, and, uh, and engage and learn about issues that if we do a program in the future, whether it's one of our monthly webinars, we do at least one a month, publications, fact sheets, white papers, issues that we need to explore more, uh, you know, we'll learn more about that, too, and how we better serve uh, this, this ag community uh, uh, that, that is just, as I think of it, it is just busting at the seams across the country. So if people want to learn more about the National Agricultural Law Center, uh, where can they go to find out that information? The quickest way is to our website, which is nationalaglawcenter.org. The second quickest way to be to go to Google and just type in anything remotely close to National Ag Law Center. Uh, But you'll come to our website, and once you approach that, uh, you'll see that we're basic. We have a, a huge aspect of what we do, and we really haven't touched on it very much. Uh, is that we have a clearinghouse. We're an online clearinghouse of ag and food law research and information. So all this work that we've talked about uh, in this interview, all of that finds its way onto our website, and we co- we cover 50 or more different subject areas: farm bill, conservation problems, biotechnology, crop insurance, secure transactions, ag bankruptcy. Uh, on and on and on, and we cover each of those individually. We try to make it as user-friendly as possible, and then we have a host of other resources after that from Congressional Research Service reports. We're the only free-of-charge database of ag and food law-related CRS reports in the nation, Um, and very user-friendly. We have an ag and food law, pardon me, we do an agricultural law bibliography. That's the the body of literature in, in this area since basically 1950 on forward, and we update it quarterly. Um, so many other resources. They'll find that, but that's the easiest way. Uh, we're on, on social media, on Twitter. Uh, we're at Nat Ag Law, and on Facebook under our, our name, National Agricultural Law Center. And we post updates there constantly. People can sign up for our newsletter uh, through any of those venues, and, of course, they can always call us have a specific question, uh, they can email or call us at any time, and uh, and we always do our best to help as much as we can. Well, Harrison Pittman, Director of the National Agricultural Law Center, thank you very much for taking time to speak with us today. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, and we appreciate you and the work that AgWatch Network does for, for agriculture uh, uh, in 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 general. But we also really appreciate your support of our Mid-South Conference uh, and uh, both the uh, financial sponsorship, but also uh, just your moral support. It means a lot to us that, that you like what we're doing, and uh, and it's very good feedback. We appreciate you and, and all you do. Well, thank you, Harrison. This episode of the AgWatch podcast was brought to you by Quality Farm Supply, the go-to source for the get-go farmer. Visit qualityfarmsupply.com for more information. You've been listening to the AgWatch podcast, where we dig deeper into the story to find the people and forces growing American agriculture. 